Hi, and welcome to another edition of Leading and Growing Your Real Estate Business. This is Coach James Short, and we are excited for the today's session because you know why? We have a legend. We have a guru that we're about to have a chat to, and her name is Mel Tempest. Now, Mel is a mover and shaker. She's a fitness business influencer. She's a global presenter and independent health club owner with an international reputation for innovation and passion. She specializes in fitness technology, social media, business coaching, and early adoption of technology. She's setting up a, she set up a boutique fitness business within a health club environment and is also a key area within her expertise. Uh, she's mission is to help health club owners achieve more success through innovation. And uh, we are looking forward to having a chat for Now, the reason why I've got obviously not within the real estate specifically industry, but Mel's lessons, Mel's teach points, Mel's uh, philosophy can actually help anyone. She's, a, she's an industry thought leader, obviously within the fitness industry, but those thought leading uh, principles and um, areas of expertise can help anyone out there. So that's why we got her on the call today. So let's get her on. And uh, Mel, so kind of you to offer some of your time and expertise today. Well, thank you, James, and thank you very much for that awesome introduction. That was fabulous. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, uh, what a journey! I mean, yeah, we've had some capital chats uh, chats over the time, and, and we've got an amazing uh, friend that we're both connected to, uh, Stevie J, Steve Jensen. Um, what's like? You've had a journey. Let, let's share with the audience how you come to where you are today. Well, give us a snapshot. Oh, look, um, my intention was never to work in the fitness industry. I just came upon it by accident. Um, my background actually is, is real estate. And I was in the real estate industry when a relative um, who had raised me, I was raised by my grandparents, got ill. And so I left the real estate industry to look after him. And um, 18 months had passed, he passed on. And it was that time, you know, where you sort of had to go, am I going to go back to work or what am I going to do with myself? And I, I sort of found myself with a girlfriend buying a shopper docket deal for the local gym. I'd never, ever been to a gym in my whole life. And so we went along and joined 21 days for $21. And a few months went by and my husband said to me, look, you know, do you think you should start to think about going back to work? And I was like, oh, I really don't want to go back and do what I was doing because I've been in the estate industry for about a decade. And so I decided to go off and um, get trained in being a group fitness instructor. And all I was really going to do was just um, teach classes and do all those things that, that ladies do, you know, look after the house. I had three kids in that. And um, so I went off and became a group fitness instructor. And pretty much what happened from there, James, was I got my first job as a circuit instructor and I really enjoyed that. And then I was sort of uh, lucky enough to get a couple of other classes in other clubs. And I've been in the industry for about... Uh, probably about 12 to 14 months and a new program had come out by Les Mills. It was called Body Jam and I loved dancing and I wanted to teach this dance class and I was working at a, um, a centre and I asked my group fitness manager, you know, I want to go off. I was green, you know, can I get trained, etc." And she said, no. She said, no, you can't. Yeah, she said, no, you can't go off and do um, body jam. You're never going to teach this class uh, here at the centre. And I was about 36 at that time. So, you know, I'm a late entry person to the fitness industry. And being a mum of three kids and running a household, I was really sort of like I couldn't understand how someone could say no first of all, to somebody in their mid-30s, okay. And then I, I couldn't understand how I worked in an industry that was um, – 
there to inspire other people to be the best that they could be, yeah. And I aspired to be like her one day. I looked at these people and thought, wow, I'd love to have a leadership role one day. So I really couldn't comprehend it mentally how somebody could say those words. So I went home, said to my husband, I want to open up a gym. Um, I had absolutely no idea about equipment or anything like that. I was just a group (laughs) instructor. Uh, and I really do mean that wholeheartedly. And he said to me, wow, how much does it cost to open a gym? I had no idea. And I just made up this total figure. Um, you know, it was probably like equivalent to a deposit on the house back in those days. And so we set upon this journey about um, of buying secondhand gym equipment and looking for uh, a place to rent that was going to become a gym. And in that, in that time of doing that, Word had got around in my community that I was looking at opening a gym and so therefore I was black banned from work in my community. Wow. So, yeah, so I I lost, um, I won't say I lost my job, I, I left accordingly after some behaviour that just wasn't, um, yeah, wasn't to put up with. And so for 18 months I was an unemployed group fitness instructor who was out of the scene and who only had 12 months experience to start with. Um, but we still set upon this journey um, we found a, a property to rent and at the last minute the landlord um, pulled the pin on us. So then we had to wait another six months. We found an old church hall in a very prominent position in our community. Uh, it was 450 square metres. We moved into that. And that was in 2003. Um, and then it's now 2018. We've been open um, for 15 years, but we were three years into that journey, James, and um, we opened... As well as opening our mixed club, we went and opened up Australia's first men's only facility. And then two years after that, our lease uh, was due to be renewed on both facilities. And we decided at that time that it was too hard to look after two businesses. Um, You can't possibly be in two places at once. And I know people say, you know, have systems in place, but we didn't have systems then because we had no experience at opening gyms. And just, look, we were just really lucky. We opened up the newspaper and the building had come up for rent that was around about 1,200 square metres. It used to be an old children's indoor playground. And we took both, yeah, we took both of our gyms and we said we want to take this place on. And we found out that the lady who had been renting the playground had got up in the middle of the day and walked out and left all the playground equipment in the building. And so (laughs) it was incredible. And so for three months... My husband and I would lock the gym up, our first gym. We'd lock that up at 9 o'clock at night and then we would go down to this building and we had to renovate it between 9 o'clock of the night and, you know, 6 o'clock of the morning when the other gym opened. And we did that for three months and then we were able to move all of the equipment into the other building and um, obviously all of the playground equipment um, had to be sold in order to to pay for the rent that the lady owed on the building. And that's how we come to be in the building that we've been in um, for about 10 years now. And we were very lucky to um, to buy that. So, we're, sorry, we've been there about 12 years and we purchased the building 10 years ago. Fantastic. Is it, that's what I love. I, I love, you know, even though it's been a, obviously it sounds like a roller coaster journey, but out of something that where you saw that you wanted to develop and and that no came through it's like well you know what stuff you i'm going to go out and and create something myself you know and then that's the that's a true entrepreneurial spirit of of you know what yep okay well thank you thank you for for, for that lesson and i'm going to take it on and, and run with it myself so wow so so where where are you at now mel what's what are you working on at the moment 
Okay, so we've had the club for 15 years. We celebrate that in um, September. And um, so, yeah, thank you for that. And over the last two years, we've been um, arguing with our local council, and, and most club owners will relate to this, um, to build an extra 280 square metres onto our building. And we only just opened that up a couple of months ago. And that's a business within a business, James. And what I mean by that is that we created its own branding, its own business name, its own logo, its own trademark. And it's a, it's a high-intensity interval training zone with functional fitness, obviously. But the equipment that, that's in it is quite unique. And it's not something that um, a lot of functional training gyms have. Um, I must say that we are the only people in our community that have that equipment. And so we've devised our own programs through training with people like Gavin Aquilina. He's been down and trained my staff. And, of course, Steve Jensen's been down to train my staff in sales. Um, and part of the, the journey of opening up that facility was having to learn how to upsell to our current members. So that's, that's where we're at at the moment. It's been a very big job because as a club owner, one of the hardest things to do in the club, irrespective of the systems that you have in place, is to upsell to your current members. Yeah. Because reality is they're looking for value and value sometimes means free. And we can't always do free in business, you know that. So that, that that's where we're at at the moment. So we've trademarked our business names and our logos and we've now trademarked those in the United States with the possibility of taking that brand into the States. Fantastic. Now, obviously along the way, what, a, what, amazing, what an amazing story. Obviously along the way, there's been some some challenges that, that have really shaped you and, and I guess you've come out the other side, which is great. Um, so what have been some of those challenges that you've taken those lessons that you've come through the other side and go, wow, that was a really good learning for, for me? Um, I think in the very beginning for me, James, was, um, you know, you know, I'd never owned my own business before, so I didn't really understand how you had to lay the basic foundations for a business. Um, so some of the lessons have been to learn the difference between finance and money because they are they are two different things. Um, to learn about people, to learn about human resources and to understand that people don't always see things the way you want them to see. So you have to learn to shut up every now and then and to listen to what people have got to say. And um, I am one of those people that has a really bad habit of talking over the top of other people, not because I don't appreciate what they're saying. It's like I get this thought in my head and I'm like, got to tell them now. Go, and there I go, I'm off and running. And most people yeah. say, yeah, we'll say, yes, that's Mel. So those skills for me, you know, learning the difference between uh, money and finance, uh, learning to listen to people, to show more empathy. And, you know, people think that because you're a woman or you're a mum that you have those skills and you don't. You think you do, um, but, but it's not until you have to take on the role as a leader and take care of your staff that you realise, hey, you know what? I really don't have those skills and I really need to work on them. So they've shaped me over the last decade to be able to move forward, to be able to do the things that I want to do yep. and to uh, appreciate everybody else's knowledge and to, to respect everybody as well, you know, not, not just to, not to dismiss people, but to respect other people's knowledge and education and take on from that. Fantastic. Wow. And, and I'm going to come back to that leadership component that you mentioned in a minute, but, the, you know, like you've had some huge successes, right, over the, over the years. What have been some of those uh, successes that you're most proud of that you go, you know what, I can stand tall, I can, I can beat my chest, you know. What were those, some of those wins that you, you'd love to share and some of those lessons from those wins? Uh, I think being an independent club owner 
at 15 years. And you know what, James, I, I never finished school. I left school at 14. Wow, cool. So, so my first job was selling, you know, fish and chips at Coles. <laughs> um, and, you know, and I graduated from Coles to, to Woolworths and then I graduated from Woolworths um, into some part-time work. And so I, I do stand tall and I do say to people, you know, hey, listen, I, I didn't get any help. There was nobody there supporting me financially. Um, obviously, my husband has helped me right throughout my journey. We worked together as a team. But as an individual, no education, you know, never, except for being a group fitness instructor, that's my only qualification. I don't have anything else under my under my belt. So I do get up and I do pump my chest about that, but not just so that people go look at me, look at me, but it's also to encourage other people like me. Beautiful. Yeah, so because... Because there are a lot of people like us that, that unfortunately didn't get to finish school for lots of different reasons or or just had a, a rough trot in life. And, you know, don't give up. Don't think for one moment that you're not capable of doing more because you absolutely are. You absolutely are. So definitely um, having a club for 15 years, opening up Australia's first men's gym, um, that was a really big deal. We really didn't realise that until we were getting phone calls from Sky News at 6 o'clock in the morning wow. and we were on the radio and the Today Show came to the gym and then Sunrise came, you know, to the gym and I was talking to Koshi on TV and I was like, wow, opening up a men's gym, is it really such a big deal? They're entitled to it. Yeah. I mean, women get Fernwood. Yeah. Women get Fernwood. What's the big deal about men having their own gym? Yep. Um, and obviously we had to get approval from, um, you know, the Human Rights Commission and the Equal Opportunity Board. Um, so pretty proud that we were able to make that difference for, for men's health. Um, and, you know, getting my kids through secondary ed education and uni education too, because when you're not educated yourself, the kids tend to want to use that for an excuse for them to leave school early. So... Something that a lot of people didn't know, I actually told my kids that I did finish secondary education. <laughs> and I never told my kids that I didn't do my HSC, it was called back in those days, until my last child left. I, left it. I love it. <laughs> and so that's when they found out that both their mum and dad both left school at 14. Oh, that's fantastic. Well done. Yeah. Well done. So I want to talk, well, I want to talk about leadership because I know you're a, you're, you're a leader in so many ways. You know, you're a leader within the industry. You're a leader within the club. You're a leader at home. You're, and there's so many people's lives that you've impacted. What, for you, what is, what is leadership? And where do you think business owners fall down in the sense of leadership? Um, I think, to, and this is just my opinion, I think where they fall down is when they make it about their wants and their needs. Yep. And I think um, the most important part about being a leader is to, as I said before, to stop, to listen and to take feedback on board and then to create your plan or your vision and then instruct and take your, your staff on that journey with you and give them a reason as to why we're doing it, not just say to them, hey, here's the this is what we're going to do in six weeks' time, just go out there and do it because that makes no sense to anybody. Everybody learns differently and people need to know the why behind what they're doing. And part of being a leader is showing them, you know, the start, the middle and the end and, and the reason, you know, the purpose for it and the why and what our objective is. And those three points are all different. And I think sometimes people get them confused or people think that because they're a leader, everybody has to do what they say. And unfortunately, that's not the way it goes. If you want people 
as a leader, if you want people, if I want my team to give me the KPIs that I'm hunting out, I need to give them more than you need to meet 10 at the end of the month. I need to show them how they're going to do it and why we're going to do it. Yeah. And then I and, and then you need to, to revisit them every week along that journey to see where they're at, to see where they need help. Um, because sometimes we assume people know how to do things. And unfortunately, you know, assume is to make an ass of oneself. Right. And so, yeah, and so we need to make sure that we that they have the right tools in place. Um, you know, an example is a girl that's working on my desk at the moment who's just started. And she came to me um, She's been there a few months and she came to me and she said, Mel, they've told me I have to leave my university course. She works for us um, part-time. And I said, why? And she said, I'm dyslexic. And so part of leading up to that conversation with her, I was trying to pinpoint why she was struggling with some of the roles within the facility. Mm -hmm. So the moment she'd been um, told that she was dyslexic, we were able to sit down and put a plan in place as to how we were able to make her job easier and she was able to follow through with the directions that we were giving her. So part of being a leader is also finding out how your team works, operates, but how they also work and operate as individuals and understanding their learning curves. And I think that that's more important than getting up there, you know, on the top of the ladder and saying, I will lead you all to great things, just do this and then deserting them yes. because that's not how it works. So true. And I guess looking at then some beautiful points there, like then converting that into then those leadership uh, abilities and traits obviously then goes into your high performance teams, right? And, and you, you've managed and you've, you've led some amazing teams over the past and, and also our current. What do you find in relation to these high performance teams? What, what makes them work and, and what doesn't? Um, what makes them work is that it's the fun factor along the journey. Yep. Not to feel like, not to let your team feel like they're pressurised. Um, I can tell you what doesn't, what definitely doesn't work is being a dictator mm. um, and being um, abrupt with them. Um, and when I say abrupt, some people think, oh, you mean being rude or being nasty. I know just the way your body language is sometimes. Yeah. You know, we need to, we, sometimes I think leaders need to actually practice in the mirror a little bit more how they approach their staff, how they speak to their staff, because sometimes our body language can reflect negativity, but we don't mean to do it. Yeah. And so sometimes this can bring your team down for the rest of their shift. Yeah. Just because you were you were running late for work, you're running late for work, you're running into the gym, throwing your handbag down and they're asking you a question and you're like, oh, just do this and do this, I've got to go. And it's like, wow, my, my time didn't matter. And that can put them off for the rest of the day. So it's very important that we teach our team and we speak to our team the way that we speak to our own kids and to our own partners because you and I both know that our, our kids and our partners wouldn't tolerate that behaviour and nor should our staff. Yeah, so true, so true. So obviously you've, you've, you've had some great uh, people to assist you along the way. They could be mentors, coaches, advisors. What's, who are some of those standout people? You may have worked with them or you may have just read about them. Who are those people that have really helped you along your journey and why? Um. You know, I had somebody in my real estate career, actually, that said to me, um, right at the very, very beginning, I was doing a temp job on the front desk, and, and he said, I don't know what it is about you, but I reckon that you'd be really good in sales. And someone acknowledged me for something that I was good at. 
And this, uh, this is something that I had missed a lot as a child growing up. And I took that little bit of information and I, I took that with me over the years. And then um, very sneakily, I, I got a job on a reception desk in a real estate office after ringing the owner for eight weeks straight because <laughs> I knew that he was opening up a new office. And I told the white lie, I said I can type and I couldn't type. I didn't even know how to put ribbon in the bloody typewriter. But anyway, that's how old I am. But anyway, to cut a long story short, after I've been a receptionist for about 18 months, I really wanted to get into sales. And they, they didn't want me to shift from sales because, um, you, know, you know, they wanted me to stay behind the desk. It was a male-dominated industry. And they were advertising for a salesperson, James, and I went, mm. So what I did was I, they all came, you know how they have, um, what do you call them nowadays? When they go out and they do the tours of all the houses and they all come back as a group and they've all gone down their inspections. And so anyway, the whole group came back and I was the only female in an office full of um, European salesmen. So I worked that out for yourself. And um, so they came back and I said, look, somebody rang up for the job while you guys were out. And they're like, yeah, yeah, tell us. And I was 22 at the stage. So again, a white lie, I said, look, She's 23. She's got two years' experience in the real estate agency, and I had 18 months, and she's got a sub-agent's license, which I had. And they're like, get her in, get her in. I said, here I am. <laughs> Love it. And so that, that was probably the start of um, a lot of great things along the way. Um, you know, the guy that told me that I would be good in sales, I took those words and, and I followed through. And I got that job as a receptionist and, you know, a, a little bits of uh, stuff that the salesman in the real estate office had drip fed me over the last couple of years. You know, I knew that I could match people up with houses. And so I used those guys as mentors in that part of my life. Right. And then I used, I moved into the next stage of my life. And um, that was the, the fitness industry. So people that have been really good mentors for me um, have obviously been Thomas Plummer. He, he started off as a mentor and now he's a close friend. Steve Jensen was the very first person that ever came into my club back in, I think it was 2004, to train our sales team up in, in sales. And I have followed Steve um, ever since. And then I've met people like Robert Dyer, who are a little bit like me. Um, they want to live outside the, the square, the disruptors. They make people accountable, and that's part of my personality. So at different stages along the way, I've had different mentors. And I think that's important to keep doing that as you go throughout your career. So true, so true. So if you were to give uh, three pieces of advice for, for those looking to, to, to lead and grow their business, what would, what would those three pieces of advice be? Understand money. Great. Not, not finance, but understand money. That's extremely important. Mm, love it. Learn to listen because yep. you're not always right, so you need to get over that. Yep. <laughs> and to be bold, not yep. be afraid. Have a go at something because my motto in life is if you can live with the worst possible scenario, the absolute worst possible scenario, why wouldn't you give it a go? Yeah, I love it. And I think that being bold is is such a great statement because it just it gets that energy feeling with, within you that everything's just at your fingertips. It's really, I love that statement. So fantastic. So what's what's coming up? What's what's in the future for you, for you Mel? Um, so what I'm obviously a, I'm still a club owner and I still teach classes because that's my passion. But what I'm really trying to do more of now, James, is to to become more of an influencer in the industry. I'm trying to get myself into the speaking circuit a lot more. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Um, I love going out to clubs and influencing their teams in different ways. You know, I'm very innovative. I love coming up with ideas and concepts and helping them solve their, their problems within their clubs. Also with group programming, I'm, I'm quite good at that and I'll pat myself on the back for that. Um, I'd be, part of my learning curve of owning a club is that I had to, after about two years, I had to learn how to put systems in place, human resource systems, you know. So I'm really good at being able to help people put those in place um, because I think that they're very important to have in the clubs. So I see myself moving forward, you know, besides doing podcasts like yourself, um, they're they're the areas that I want to concentrate on. I think I have... um, I think I have a lot to offer people, James, because of my life skills and some of the things that I've gone through in my life, not just in business, but also personal and having to jump jump those obstacles. So I, I believe that I've got a lot to offer the industry as a whole. Fantastic. So where can the audience find out more and, and get in contact with you? Uh, I'm more than happy for people to grab a hold of me at mel at meltempest.net. And I've also got a couple of uh, websites, which is maltempest.net and also the gymownersbusinessnetwork.net also. Wonderful. Go out and check those sites, maltempest.net. It's amazing. Heaps of information and resources and uh, get in contact with them. Mel, really appreciate your time, energy, expertise. It's always good chatting. We could chat on for hours. And, but once again, I just really appreciate everything that you've offered today. Thank you so much for having me, James. It was fantastic. Thank you.